This morning we're obviously talking about joy. I want to ask you a question maybe you consider a little bit strange, but I wonder, have you ever lost your smile? I did once. I, if you've been in, around the church for a while, you know I had Bill's palsy. And for six weeks I couldn't smile. And that was awful. And then this was, I was reminded by this last week when we read about this little girl in Southern California, seven years old, who was born without facial muscles and nerves, and she's never been able to smile. And she's willing now to face a long series of surgeries just so she can get the ability to smile. And I thought about us and about Christmas. Then I thought about my experience over at Stanford uh, Shopping Center the other night. I was watching children visiting Santa Claus. Some of them were terrified and screaming for mom, but others climbed up in his lap and they were just whispering in his ear all their dreams about Christmas and there was just an infectious joy on their faces. And I had to ask myself, what happened to us? We grew up and we kind of lost that joy. Many of us have lost the child in us. We, we hardly even know how to express joy at Christmas or we're embarrassed if we do. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, how is your reservoir of joy? What plans are you making this Christmas to celebrate? I know we're, if we're serious, we need to ask a question something like this. How can I make Christmas joyously special without it becoming either paganized or too commercial so other Christians call me, uh, you know, having sold out to culture? Or is, is, is my cup of joy so empty I don't have any possibility of jo uh, expressing joy this Christmas, so why listen to the preacher? We might be at either extreme, and I'm going to suggest to you today that God brought you here to help you plan to express your joy this year. I want to study biblically a way for us to have joy at Christmas time in a way that's pleasing to the Lord and attractive to someone out there who doesn't belong to Christ's family yet, and yet who's desperately looking for joy, something so attractive that they would ask the question, what relevance would Jesus have for me if I became a Christian? And the immediate answer would be, well, whatever else, I would sure like your joy. You're a follower of his. I'd like what you have. Because out there, there's a drought of joy, and all of us know it. So the first thing I want to highlight today is I want you to remember that the angel announced the first Christmas in the context of joy, singing, and hilarious celebration. Expressing joy is the very essence of Christmas. In the first newscast about Christmas, this is what was said. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. So the issue is not should we be joyful at Christmas, but what vehicle are we going to choose to express it? That's not really too easy to answer. As I've taken the pulse of our congregation this year, it's interesting how many variations we have. Some of you are so blessed that guilt has set in and you're so materially blessed and you look out in the world and see all the need out there that you don't know what to do. How can I celebrate my full cup when most of the world is empty? And so your joy is taken away. Or there's some who've decided that they're not going to give gifts this year. Because how can I give gifts in a world of such need? Some allow comments from other Christians to intimidate them. Claiming that they're making their Christmas too much fun, too entertaining, too commercial, too secular. We get that every year here. People are disturbed when you're having a good time at Christmas, particularly if their cup is empty. So what do you do? 
Well, Reverend Jack Hayford, uh, one of the most conservative preachers I know, so I'm giving him, as for those of you who might have trouble with this, this is what he said. Can we think of any good reason why Christians should feel guilty about being too happy or having too much fun in connection with celebrating the good news that our Savior has been born? I am convinced that almost anything that expresses our joy, our faith in Jesus as Savior, should be okay. The bottom line, loosen up. We just really need to take a good look at what we're uptight about and find out if it's biblical or find out if it's something else. I believe it's vital Christians claim our freedom to express joy this year as our conscience leads us. Uh, I'd like to feel we're just a magnet that when people see us, they really want to check out this thing called Christianity because they certainly see enough bad stereotypes over the media of us. But the warning I want to give is we're a very diverse congregation. I, I, I'm amazed the longer I'm here how diverse we are. As I said, uh, I want you to follow your conscience and the Bible in terms of expressing your joy. And then it, it, there the bond stops because some of you this year will give gifts and others will be led not to give gifts. Don't put your conscience on somebody else. Let's celebrate that we're different. It's okay to do both. And you know, this might sound trivial, but it isn't because we've had cat fights here in the church about it. Um, some believe in Santa Claus and some don't. Some, <laughs> now let me finish. Some really believe that Santa Claus should not be part of a Christian home and children should never be taught about Santa Claus. Others absolutely include the celebration. I'd say both is okay. But don't try to put your norm on someone else or reject somebody when they don't do it like you do. That's called tolerance. That's called love. That's the Christmas spirit. Uh, this list could go on and on. Some like secular Christmas music. And some don't want it in any part of the church. Uh, the issue is tolerance. And I, I, I want to give you this challenge. I want you to choose how you're going to express your joy this year. And I want it to be your choice based on your conscience and your understanding of the Bible. Don't let anybody else dictate to you. Now, to help us in that, uh, I want to build a case. And it's a biased case because it's mine. And I'm just telling you, if you don't like it, all letters go to Doug this week. <laughs> That's really true. Anyway. <laughs> My friend. Did you know that historically it was in the period of church decadence that leadership moved Christmas worship away from the celebrative joy of the early church into something cold and formal and without smiles and without warmth? And that decision has driven multitudes from the church and it still is doing the same thing. I'm offering you my bias. I see nothing holy about being solemn in worship. The Gerber family has always enjoyed every aspect of Christmas. I'm a Christmas freak and I take that title with joy. I like everything about Christmas. I love its commercialism. I love direct <laughs> decorations, all kinds of music, shopping, wrapping presents, parties. I've never wrung my hands about Christmas becoming too secular or where did Christ, why was Christ taken out of Christmas? He never left mine. I'm glad the world gets excited at Christmas time. Uh, I need to say more. <laughs> As adults, I need to tell you, our children didn't seem to have been polluted by believing in Santa Claus 
or singing Frosty the Snowman. Now, if your conscience is different, that's okay. Just let us have our freedom. I'll give you yours, but I want to give you a challenge. If you don't choose Santa Claus, if you don't choose whatever, you choose something that expresses your joy. Don't take joy out of your celebration and call it Christian. I am convinced a Scrooge type of attitude toward expressions of joy will not make any church or any person any more holy at Christmas time. In fact, just the opposite. I think Jesus will be very pleased if it's said throughout the whole peninsula, those Presbyterians sure know how to enjoy Christmas. <laughs> I'm tired of having the reputation of being God's frozen people, and Presbyterians generally are. Now, hey, right on. It's okay. <laughs> so, you know, this is 11 o'clock, and when I said loosen up, let's not take it too seriously. <laughs> I want to offer one illustration of how we can build spiritual bridges to secular things. Some of you know the Christmas tree was originally part of a pagan feast, and for that reason, some people don't buy trees, and above all, they don't put them in churches. Well, for us, our tree... <laughs> We have uh, hundreds of lights, 1,800, and that represents Jesus as the light of the world. Up on top is a star, and that represents the biblical name for Jesus, the bright and morning star. And all the colored decorations represents the color and the warmth and the joy that bring, Jesus brings to us. What more sacred symbol could we ask if we put that meaning into it? And you can do that with any kind of secular celebration of Christmas. It's only secular if you view it as secular. My point. The angels invite us to express joy. So I give you in the name of Jesus Christ full permission to rejoice this season. In fact, it's a command. Find a way to express your joy and follow your conscience. And don't let anybody else intimidate you. Chuck Swindoll, commenting on this freedom to express joy, reminds us of a very funny, I think, Peanuts cartoon. Snoopy is having the time of his canine life on a frozen pond. On his bare paws, he's spinning and twirling with the most satisfied look you can imagine that any dog could ever acquire. Well, suddenly Lucy shows up with her famous frown, glare, stare. And she says, that's not skating, that's sliding. You don't have any skates on. You're just sliding on your feet. That's not skating. Snoopy glides to a stop in front of her, somewhat startled. He begins to slump as she continues her lecture. And finally, he slinks away toward the side of the pond thinking, how could I have been so stupid? And the last scene finds Snoopy off, on the, off the side of the pond, sitting alone, saying to himself, I thought I was having fun. <laughs> the point, there are Lucy's in your life. <laughs> and don't listen to them. Perfectionists, people who want to make you color within the line, stay within the circle, act like a sophisticated adult, whatever that is. And I say at Christmas time, we let the child out and find that joy that Jesus died to give us. I say if there's no biblical prohibitions, pull the stops and choose your expression of joy. In fact, Chuck Swindoll gives this advice to Snoopy, and I give it to you who might feel squeezed by someone else's judgment of your behavior. Get back on the pond, friend. Who cares whether you're a figure skater or whether you do flip-flops or fall flat on your face? The main thing is that you honor your God as you move through life this Christmas season. Amen. I counsel you this year, express your joy and don't let anyone 
take it away from you. Now, I'm aware there are many here today for whom everything I've said is sort of like salt in a wound because your cup of joy is leaking badly. And you enter this season with so much brokenness you can't even identify with someone who says, let's be joyful. Well, I have a second truth for you. And that is that the joy announced by the angels is a call to rejoice regardless of, right in the midst of whatever circumstance we're in. The good news is Christmas joy isn't based on situations and circumstances. The angel spoke to a very troubled people at a very troubled time, and he didn't make any exceptions. He said, behold, I bring you tidings of great joy for all people, even if you don't feel like you're very joyful right now, even if you're going through the pits. Thank God Christmas joy is not rooted in circumstances. Because, think with me, suppose you could have every problem solved today. Every dream come true. Experience has shown us over and over again, Christmas joy is not found in getting what we want, but in finding the power of Jesus to get our eyes and focus off of ourselves, off of our pain, and, and on someone else's need. So what is the prescription for you whose cup of joy is leaking badly? Take the initiative and go seek to heal a relationship, even if you're rebuffed. Go seek to deepen some bonds of friendship that the only treasure is worth having. Or do some reckless random act of giving and kindness to one who can't possibly do anything in return for you. Yesterday morning in our Adopt-A-Family ministry, you couldn't find one frown out here on our back parking lot. People were caught up in picking up and delivering and giving. And I thought, this is Christmas. I don't want this to sound trite, but I don't have a better way to say it. If you want joy this year, count your blessings, not your problems. Bask in God's love for you and think about what God is doing in terms of how he's using the very turmoil you're in to hone you and shape you into something you'd never be without the pain. Don't try to escape a struggle asking, how can I get out of this? But ask God, what can I get out of this? How can you make me better? tougher. This is what faith is about. And that's why the Bible can say and mean rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Christmas says, Emmanuel, God is here. We're not alone in our struggle anymore. Now, obviously, some of your lives are torn by life's injustices and loneliness, and jealousies and financial reverses, broken relationships. We take one look at those prayer cards. We know what you're going through. So does God. But I want to ask, what's new? Life isn't fair. I've said from this pulpit many times, life is not fair and God never promised it would be. But I want to suggest that choosing to rejoice in the sufficiency of Jesus, rather than flounder in your circumstances this Christmas, could be the difference of night and day. Dr. Smeeds of Fuller Seminary says something I think is very profound. You and I were created for joy, and if we miss joy, we miss the reason for our very existence. But if our joy is honest, it must somehow be congruous with human tragedy. This is the test of joy's integrity. Is it compatible with pain? Only the heart that hurts has a right to joy. That's beautiful and true. So the challenge, don't let anyone, don't let any circumstance take away your joy and your smile this year. You can choose joy. Some time ago, I shared this poem that seems to summarize many of the things I wanted us to think about between now and Christmas. I took to church one morning a happy four-year-old boy. 
holding a bright blue string to which was attached his much-loved orange balloon with pink stripes. Certainly a thing of beauty, and if not forever, at least a joy for a very important now. When later he met me at the door, clutching blue string, orange and pink bobbing behind him, he didn't have to tell me something had gone wrong. What's the matter? He wouldn't tell me. I bet they loved your balloon. And out it came, then mocking the teacher's voice, we don't bring balloons to church. And then that little four-year-old boy, his lip quivering, asked, why aren't balloons allowed in church? I thought God would like balloons. And you know the point is, and the good news is, God does like balloons. He welcomes your expression of celebration right now. So I challenge you, open the door to the child still in you to celebrate the wonder of Christ's birth, the miracle of shepherds and wise men. Let's celebrate that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Stop being afraid to feel and enjoy. Stop allowing your circumstances to squeeze out the possibility of God's next miraculous move in your behalf. Let the Christmas hope overpower your fear and your despair and your burdens and your stresses. Where did we get the idea balloons don't belong in church? Where did we get the idea God loves gray and shh? For you who know the Westminster Catechism, and boy, you'd have to be a really classic Presbyterian if you did, you remember this question. What is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I think it's a blasphemy not to capture and express the joy that Christ came to bring, for which He died. God so loved the world, God loved you and me, that He hung there, loving the unlovable. And what beautiful gift could never be offered in response if it's from the heart? whether it's a balloon or a song or a, some joy that sits within us waiting to have the lid taken off. So this morning, I dare you to laugh and enjoy. Christ the Savior has been born. God loves you. And that's a great cause for enjoyment. So rejoice because of your circumstances or in spite of your circumstances. If you have nothing else to be thankful for, be thankful that you're not that little girl who's willing to face a whole line of surgeries just so she could smile again. You can leave here and choose to smile right now. What a gift. I hope you'll take advantage of it. And if someone's stolen your smile, you take it back. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you you bring joy. And I pray particularly for those people who need it so badly. Surprise us even this hour, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen.